Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now on with the show. Today's guest is Dallas-based interior designer Meredith Ellis. With over two decades of experience in the industry, Meredith creates soulful homes expertly layering pattern, texture, and color for each client. She began her career working for the legendary Bunny Williams in New York before moving west to hone her skills in the internationally renowned designer Michael Smith's office. Meredith is also founder of James to the Trade showroom representing dozens of fabric, wallpaper, furniture, and lighting lines for Texas and the South. Her sophisticated yet livable spaces have been featured in Architectural Digest, Traditional Home, Better Homes and Gardens, Southern Living, and the LA Times. Welcome, Meredith. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for coming on with us today and for listening to us. You admitted you'd have listened before, so. Yes, many times on my morning walks. Yeah, I love I'm just glad you said yes after listening to us. You could have easily <laughs> said no. <laughs> but I love this business. I wanted to quickly just jump in with such a legendary education you had earlier in your career, working for some legends there. So I wanted to hear some like tips and tricks today that still follow you from that. Of course. Yes. I was fortunate to work for Bonnie Williams and Michael Smith and another designer, Thomas Beaton in LA and my mother, who was, very, mother. <laughs> <laughs> was very instrumental in my career. <laughs> Uh, well, okay. So you grew up just nose deep in this, right? Yes. And you still signed up. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, I did try to take a different route, just being a rebellious young person Uh and forge my own path. So I did try a few other things first, but it, I, you know, it found me and I, I couldn't help it. It was so fun. I love that. No, I want to hear more. How did it find you? I studied art history in college. Mm -hmm. And when I got out of college, I knew I wanted to do something creative. I mean, as Mm -hmm. every designer redecorating their rooms, I followed Mm -hmm. my mother into antique stores and to showrooms. I always had a perspective of my own. Mm -hmm. But when I went off to um, start my own path, I wanted to work in set decorating. And so I tried Mm -hmm. that when I first moved to New York, I freelanced and didn't make it in terms <laughs> it was on the wrong coast, probably. I it, it was only a couple of months. And then a friend of mine who was living in New York gave me a business card for Bunny Williams and said, she's hiring. And so I called my mother and I said, Bunny Williams is hiring. And she said, oh, Meredith, she's just the best. Go in and take your resume. And so I did. And I started part-time shopping. I was a shopper and for a few weeks before I was taken on full time and I, it found me, it was meant to be, I loved every minute of it. I loved working there. I loved the people I worked with. I learned so much and I was there for about five years and and evolved into different positions. How stressful was that shopping? (laughs) You're like, is this cool enough? I hope it's cool enough. (laughs) Well, I started very, you know, I started with more like going to the 
the showrooms and the DND. Mm-hmm. So it was shopping for textiles and then getting to, and it was how I got to know the city. So, you know, yeah. on Lexington and 72nd and um, downtown, I was all back and forth around the city buying wastebaskets and accessories, but also mostly fabrics, rugs. They would send me with a direct request of what they were looking for, but it's definitely how I learned. That's amazing. What an education. <laughs> so when they sent you out on with a request, was it just kind of a, a blanket, like find find a blue lamp or was it like we want well, you to find designers, the different designers in the show in in Bunny's office. There, I think at the time I worked there, there was four or five, and they would say, "This is the project I'm working on. This is what we're looking for. These are what we've picked already. We may need. I need a herringbone in this color, or I need a, a chintz, or something like that." So they would give me. You might and and I do this now with my mm-hmm. team. You might go look at anything that they were thinking in their heads and go go and look at what's new. I mean, that was always what we were gravitating towards first was what was the new fabrics that were out. But then, so that's how I also learned the content of fabrics, what the different terminology was. I mean, I was coming from an art history background, though I'd worked for my mother. I didn't really know a lot about the textiles at that point. So that was sort of my first introduction. And I think that's where, you know, that's where I really began to love it and the shopping aspect and was like, wow, people really do this for a living. I know my mother did, but at a, such a large capacity, her mm-hmm. office was very big. Bunny's was my, my mom was just her and maybe an assistant from time to time. That's so cool. So again, so now you have your own shop called James, where yeah. you are actually selling fabric all day, every day. <laughs> so I wanted us to focus on if you could help just educate everyone listening on fabric, like treat us like we are just out of school and we don't know where to begin because you obviously know so much about it. Teach us. Okay. So you have this whole showroom. Where do we even begin with fabrics? Like, well, one of the things uh, when people come to work for whether it's so James, showroom yes. and then Meredith Ellis Designer, two separate businesses, though okay. I found it curate both. A lot of times when we have new people who come to work for even my office, especially if they're young and starting out, I do start them over at James in the sample sampling, tagging, because I think it's such a great introduction mm-hmm. to content of fabric, who the brands are, where they're made, what they're made of different, mm-hmm. you know, is it a chance? Is it a, a woven different terminology? They should mm-hmm. know just in even working in this business. In James, we are mostly prints and patterns, though a lot of our lines do carry wovens and more and more are carrying wovens and then some have wallpapers. It was always mm-hmm. important to me when curating the showroom that we started very small. I mean, it was, I thought I'd have like five or six lines. Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing because I've seen images. (laughs) Silly you. (laughs) I mean, you know, this came out of a love of fabrics and a love Mm -hmm. of decorating. I love my job. I love being surrounded. You know, any designers can tell you they live, eat and breathe it. So this was just another example of me as a designer wanting to have a space where I could have a place to showcase new ideas and try new things and and just be exposed to it all the time and, and wrap myself in it 24-7. But when we chose the fabrics, it was really important for me that I use them in my projects. I Something excites me about mm-hmm. them. 
So it was mostly prints and patterns, mostly linens, though there were some cottons. And that the, the brands that we carry, everybody has their own identity in the showroom and that they don't compete with one another. So if I'm carrying mm. you know, somebody like Sister Parish, it's very important that we don't have anything that competes with that, but that works together with it. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the great things about the showroom and about showrooms in general is the ability to walk in as a designer and see all of these different patterns and ideas that go together. I mean, everybody's got their unique identity. And so to be able to kind of play with those together. So if I'm walking into the showroom and I'm searching for something for a client and I need that initial, what is that one fabric I think that's going to be the the voice in the room, who is going to to be the showstopper or what I'm going to base everything else on. A lot of times I'll start with a large scale print, you know, because okay. it's something that's multicolored or where, where do I see the room going to be? Do I want it to mm-hmm. be total? Is it going to be all blues? And a lot mm-hmm. of times I will start with, for myself as a designer, I'll start with that palette. Like this room is going to be a, a series of blue. And then mm-hmm. I might it will graduate into something else eventually. Like maybe I'll do a pop of red or a pop of this or that. But I start with my color palette and then I search out for that initial first fabric that's going to set that tone. And then from there, I play on picking other patterns and ideas. So you said you start with a large scale pattern. What is it it about a large scale pattern that you're looking for? Is it something that's a floral? Is it something that is a mix of colors? Is it, what is it? I mean, <laughs> Sorry, terrible question. What is it? I'm just so excited. It's so project-dependent. And greeting my client and saying, mm-hmm. oh my God, they, say I'm doing their living room or something, they need, I know she'll go for something that's like a sofa with an all-over pattern. And I want it to be large scale. A lot of times it's, just something that speaks to me. I can't tell you how many times I walk in the showroom and I see something for the first time. I mean, mm-hmm. we've got thousands of fabrics and then there's just that one. Oh my gosh, it's got the right color combination. Mm-hmm. Or I'll see the piece of furniture and say, I need it to be very viney and it's got to have a lot of movement, but I need a few colors in there that are really going to be able to be played off of. If I'm looking at something that's like, let's say it's more of a chinoiserie and it's got birds in it and vines. And then I'll say, but I really want to pull out those greens of the leaves and play off all that. The walls are going to be that color. And then we're going to do a bunch of different patterns in these different color shades of green. And then for the accents, we might do the floral pink as the pillows, you know, something like that. That's how I think a lot of it's just instinctual, but I see the room in my head and how I want it to look. So when I'm going after those large scales, I have to see how it's going to feel as it's a whole. That makes sense. And when you see these, these patterns that you fall in love with, are you instantly saying like, okay, that's going to be on a big sofa, or this would be better for drapes, or this would just be better for an accent chair? Is How do you and determine this? Just this- together. Initially, I just want to pull all the fabrics I love and I weed from there. Okay. You know, so I might start when the shopping and I'm trying to get a big scale pattern and then I'm just like, oh, this is pretty with it. And I'll walk around and I'll pull 20 fabrics and then I lay them out on a table or a floor and I start to move them. You know, what looks good together? I need a little more of this or a little more of that. This is the wrong feel. And you you edit that way. So I start with just what feels good as a scheme. 
And then I'll start to say this would be a great sofa because, you know, it's a nice repeat. If we're going to tuft it, it'll look better tufted or things like that. So if you come with 20 different patterns and you're putting those all together and saying like, okay, here's my initial, I love these dump pile of, of fabrics. And then you start moving them around <clears throat> and weeding them. How many do you end up with on average? Probably like five or six. Okay. And then I usually, and a lot of times when I make that presentation to a client, I will work out the four, five, six fabrics and then say, well, this would make, this will be the sofa. These will be the chairs. And then I'll start to come back and pull in some accents of color or, or texture, whatever it is we need for the pillows. And a lot of times I'll even say, let's get two or three of the pillows working in this scheme but we will wait until we install to see what we need. Maybe we need more, you know, zhuzh. maybe we need a little more velvet or we need a little more of a red or something like that. And so I, I don't do it all at the same time. It, some of it has to evolve. What are the best fabrics for a tufted project? So say, you, again, you've pulled all these and then you realize the sofa's tufted or is it just the ottoman? Like what are you putting scale-wise and, and material-wise on those items? Um, tufting can be hard for stripes, though I've done it. It just depends how you <laughs> want it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm right now in the showroom and that was certainly an issue. And so I think we ran the stripes horizontal. Linen, something that's soft, but you want it to be, you don't want it to be so delicate that it's going to get dirty fast or, or show stains and dirt. You, you, I obviously take that into account. But when you're tufting, you also can't have a really heavy, heavy linen. That can be difficult too and not pull. The buttons okay. won't pull as, as smoothly. So a lot of times I'll look for a nice weight linen or a, a cotton, but then we'll have to knit back it. or And then a lot of times I fiber seal it as well, just so for, for stain use. Mm-hmm. But generally, I don't look for anything too hard. I, I don't use a lot of chenille or too heavy wovens. I typically stay within the linens. Okay. And what about a sofa? One, it seems like you have uh, in your work, just you, you'll do anything, but what do you usually gravitate toward for fabrics for a sofa? Um, I If I can get someone to do a large scale pattern, awesome. But a lot of <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times, I mean, and, and my selling point on that is most of my clients have kids. And so pattern really hides and print hide imperfections. You don't see that little chocolate mark as easily. Um, <laughs> or a pet mark. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm <laughs> so I think those are great selling points for using patterns and prints. Uh, but I'd say the majority of time, especially in a room where we're doing so many different things, a lot of it is those um, repeat patterns. I'd say that is what people are comfortable with, even if it's a large scale pattern where it might be um, a diamond that you're you're mm-hmm. looking or uh, I'm thinking of Peter Dunham's Taj where it's a it's sort of a um, it's a diamond print. I, I did it in the show house and that was blue. Those things, I think, large scale patterns people are more comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And those I think are very durable. They hide stains just as easily. They look great with layered more pattern on them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say that's what I use the majority of rather than really large scale prints on furniture or or like a sofa. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
what now? Okay, drapes. What about those two? Because obviously those can have lots of print or scale too. Are you doing the big print there or will you do anything? Balance. If I do a really large scale print on the sofa, I'm not going to do one on the drapery. I'm going to do something with a nice repeat. Okay. It may be a vine or a trellis mm-hmm. pattern, something like that. It doesn't have to be just a small pattern repeat. Um, but it is about a balance. I think if you're doing one large scale piece of furniture that's got a, you know, chinoiserie, then I'm going to use something a little bit more tame on the drapery. Mm-hmm. You would probably use a lot of vine-like ones on drapery because, again, you get that rhythmic look, right? For sure. For sure. Yeah, I I mean, I rarely use a solid on drapery. Very. Okay. I will if I have, I mean, I am I just pitched this dining room that had a decorative wallpaper and I still did a um, print on the fabric. <laughs> But it was tonal, you know, it was like, it was, I like it. you're like, no, no, but it was, it was cool. It was calm. <laughs> it was, um, but it made sense because it was, it was viney. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, it, it had, it was a very large scale vine. So it being tonal, it worked, but that would be the only way I, I don't use a lot of solid fabrics in general. I will use mm-hmm. wovens like a, a houndstooth or a herringbone. But I really have always had the perspective that in photography, I think it might look great to have a solid. But when you're in the room, I just love seeing the patterns. It's just more interesting. Mm-hmm. To me. Yeah. I mean, every one of your rooms, I mean, everyone checking out your portfolio will see everything's interesting. You have to stop and, and look around your room. It's, I love that. Speaking of, okay, you've gone into drapery. What about wallpaper? When do you add that into your layering? Uh, I'm funny about wallpaper too. I love a scenic, love scenics, and I love patterns and prints, but I don't, I try not to overuse it. If there's a room I need to make an impact, I want something large scale like a scenic. Um, I use a lot of the, when I use wallpaper, I like the smaller patterns personally because they're an extra layer I'm adding. Because I am so layered and I do so, I love art, I love books. I don't want to overkill the decorating. So a lot of times for me, it's a repeat pattern as a wallpaper. It is true. I mean, if you look at your work, you have a lot of solid, bold color rooms. And I can, I totally know what you mean, that it's usually the the fabric that is speaking to you in those spaces. Generally speaking, obviously you have both, but okay. Another one. Now we're getting smaller again lampshades. You have got to teach us about lampshades because you are using some fantastic fabrics on lampshades as well. So what scale, when do I pleat it? Where do I use it properly? I think you're realizing I have no rules. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We want your rule, quote unquote (laughs) rules. We want to do it your way this episode. So (laughs) I mean, uh, again, the lampshade is one of the last sort of details where I need some extra oomph. I usually like to assure them where they're small pleats. I don't love a big box pleat unless it's just a clean ivory linen. Um, All right. Say that name again. So if it's a tight, tight pleat, that looks like the top of a toothpaste bottle. Yeah. Like it's sure. S-H-I-R-R-E-D. Okay. Like a little linen pleat like that. I'll do a lot. That sounds prettier than toothpaste. Stop. <laughs> That's a good one. I've never heard that. I might start using that. I will use 
that probably the majority of the time, okay. unless it's a large pattern, like Peter Dunham, Dunham's Samarkand, which is a large scale pattern. I've done that on lampshades and that then I'll do it on a hardback shade. It'll just be flat. It won't be pleated because I you want to see the pattern. Um, and that's when I do that, it's more of a statement, like a piece of art. It's 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 making a statement in the room. But most of the time I do that fine little pleat because I love using like Indian saris or smaller scale fabrics or a, something that has a little pattern like a flower that you want to see. Um, so I generally when I'm doing the lampshades, it's kind of towards the end with the pillows like we we need to we need to spruce it up a bit in here it needs a little touch of something more a little color i don't like them to I've, i have used more bold fabrics on the lampshades but typically i like them to be a contrast color but something sort of subtle so it, it doesn't it just looks like it's been there and it belongs but it's not screaming for attention so what items should we be thinking about with that kind of subtlety? So if it's sometimes wallpaper with a smaller print or lampshades with a, a print that kind of fades back, what are what are our bold statements that we should be making either with a scenic wallpaper or with a sectional or what are some tips on like kind of visualizing and making those decisions on where the big pattern goes? Where the big statement goes. The big, large-scale pattern goes. Um, I think you have to decide when you're looking at a room if you're wanting to use that large scale and make a statement with it. I typically like to do it on the walls if I have the opportunity. You know, scenics are expensive. Um, and then everything from there will go down to more smaller patterns, right? Or stripes, something. So that really is your showcase. I think it's just... I think it's just personal preference. I, when I walk into a space for, for the first time and I do something, I think it's what is it going to be that I want to see when I walk in that room? It's not always a, a fabric. It might be a light fixture. It might be a rug. But there shouldn't be, and I'm not one of those designers that typically does one bold statement. I mean, I think it's all a very organic put together. I don't, I'm not a, I don't like to make loud declarations in spaces. I want it to feel like it's kind of evolved over time. It's gradual. It's not like I walked in there, decorated it and did a photo shoot. I want it to look like somebody actually lives here. And so mm -hmm. I think you need things that catch people's eye. And so I would say you can do a, you know, a dining room is a great place to make that sort of special pattern or print or scenic be seen. But a lot of times I think in other places, I want it just sort of a subtle, large scale that doesn't doesn't really cost too much attention because it's not supposed to. Does that make sense? No, that totally makes sense. And, and that that's was a, garbage. No, start over. <laughs> and that's a, that's a great way to think about your rooms too, because I, mm -hmm. in looking at your work, I don't get the sense that you're a focal wall type person or or big statement. Mm -hmm. But it, but the, you you feel enveloped by the design. So I think I think that's really that's really exciting. Yeah, I mean, For, I just want, I mean that's what I've always said in my work, and I think a lot of people do say about it is they. And I've heard from show houses, it's like, I just want to live here. And that is really my goal. I mean, that's what I'm doing. I want people to Fantastic. live in this <laughs> Right. And I will say the whole, you know, it wasn't 
done in one day feel, I think is what, you know, Bunny's rooms have always to me been like, this room's been here forever. Like so, somebody has been here. This is so, but so layered. And I think in your work, it's very visible to see that again, it's very layered where again, it didn't feel like you, it all came in today and you took a photo. It's very, okay. Right. So this room's evolved and traveled and and you get the sense that the people who live there have a story and a past. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that's why, I mean, a lot of times the fabric just takes a background. Like in the show house I did for Kips Bay. I mm-hmm. mean, I wanted that fabric that I put everywhere to obviously be a statement, but I didn't want it to scream at you. I wanted it to feel like you would see the antiques. You would see the the, the hand-picked trinkets that I had pulled together. You know, that's what I, I love about, especially Bunny's rooms, walking in and feeling like, you know, it's like every piece that is um, curated has some thoughtfulness to it. There's a pretty bone box or a, a an antique silver magnifying glass. Like just those little things that you pick up in your travels, I think make it feel really, mm-hmm. it makes you feel like you just want to hang out in there. Can you speak to that Kips Bay room again? Uh, because uh, that's what because, I was going to talk about. <laughs> I mean, just it's such a our, good room for our listeners. Yeah. Okay, your listeners, go <laughs> l- check out this room right now. But just give us a quick description of it because this is it's it's so impressive. Oh, thanks. I really love that room. I I did start with the textile. It, show houses for me are always an opportunity for me, just like my show, to do something I've never gotten to do before for a client that I've wanted to, to show that it can work, whether it's using a color or a fabric or an, or an idea. Um, and for that space, I <laughs> Was really- this the like, least favorite fabric? You're like, no, no, I'll show you guys how and it works. <laughs> for our listeners, it is on the wall. It's on the drapes. It's on the headboard. It's on valances. It's on the bed skirt. This fabric is everywhere. <laughs> Yes. And it was a small room. It was a small bedroom. And I really wanted to show that you could use one fabric and it wouldn't look granny and that it would look Mm -hmm. modern. And that was Mm -hmm. my intention. That's what I really wanted to show that it could be done. But obviously, I didn't want it to feel overwhelming. And so that was the challenge (laughs) Um, because I did put it everywhere. But I feel like that was a Leah O'Connell textile. It's called Isla. And Gorgeous. it was pretty. And the fat, what I love too, is it has this three different colors of blue. Like there's a little greeny blue, there's another blue, there's a gray blue. And so I can really play off all those blues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when it, when it, and I think it's something she took from an old document, but I don't want to be quoted mm-hmm. on that, but I think it was an old actual design and it so it did feel very modern putting it all over the room but then it was balanced by painting all the trim like a really pretty gray blue and the ceiling a really pretty gray blue and combining it with things is what made it more modern like the modern light fixture that was plaster to sort of tone down all of the antiques it was Mm -hmm. a balance of once I got that right I had to sort of figure out the balance of everything else I put in there well, the the fabric itself, or the it is such a vertical design, a visual vertical, and you've done such a um, just a fantastic job bringing your eye around the room with it. Uh, do you? And you did the ceiling too, blue. You did all the trim work that same blue, and you pulled that blue from the fabric. Yeah, had them like match it. No, uh, it was a Benjamin no. Moore color. I just tried a ton of. You just tried okay. 
that I, I was just wondering. Was, yeah. It was, okay. yeah. It was just, but I okay. mean, there is a blue in there. Yeah, I wanted something. I didn't want to use a greeny blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to use more of a gray blue that was like a historical color that felt like, because my oh. whole concept for the room was I had taken my kids to Mount Vernon a few years back and I wanted, there's the blue room and there's other rooms that are very colorful and mm-hmm. home. And I wanted that feel of it. It was an old home. And so also in the bathroom was the Nantucket wallpaper from Gracie. So I was trying to give that sort of coastal, East Coast, historical vibe. And so that that color appropriately named was Providence Blue. <laughs> so, Had to be. Okay. This room is still at the Kips. We're still there. So doing a mural, is that what we're calling them? Mural wallpapers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The, the, yes. When do you find those appropriate? to use and why are they so popular? What seems like of recent? Well, I I was just telling someone the other day, I feel like because there's been such an emphasis on home right now, we've been staying home for two years. Um, People are working out of their houses. It's been, you can't really travel. There's been so much of that focus that obviously design and has been for several years is so popular. Instagram, social media, Pinterest, all of those things, people are just, and so, I think there's just this abundance of color and and texture and design. And so I think people are getting more brave and they're pushing themselves. Just the, the general person who's decorating their house is feeling more brave and wanting to see more in their home. It usually like you're home at night, you're eating dinner, you're feeding kids, you're going off to work, but now you're really spending time there and you're like, these walls aren't that interesting. I really want to see them. <laughs> You know, so it's like, I think people are becoming more comfortable Mm -hmm. with pushing themselves. And so I think the murals are something that are exciting. They're, they're Mm -hmm. fun. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's artwork all around you. Yeah. And so I think a powder room is definitely, if you're a little insecure about doing a whole room, a powder room is a great place to start or a, um, a hallway. I mean, you know, you, you can do it anywhere. I think that's, what's exciting about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. I mean, that, yeah, that room, again, the way you said historic, it definitely has that feeling that like, again, it's been there. So it is a really great room for everyone to check out. Okay. So, oh, the bedding in there. That's what I was going to ask too. Did you have that custom made to match? Yeah. yeah I worked with Leotine bedding and we sent her a sample of the fabric and she uh-huh. created that design onto the duvet cover, which was really oh. pretty and the pillows as well. Yeah, she framed it out, guys. It's so good. But then it's white, again, for like a palate cleanser. And my other question I had was, when do you do, I don't even know the name of it. You did the thingy above the bed. The fabric thingy above the bed. Oh, so that was was actually a functional situation. Um, In that room, there was a niche of like mm-hmm. two foot by three foot. There's an elevator elevator vestibule on the other side in the intro, in the um in the upstairs landing. And so there's a little niche outside the elevator that came into my bedroom. And so I could not change that. So when I was mm-hmm. designing the room, I decided that I needed to hide it 
and mask it. And so that's where I pushed it out and actually built. The room was big enough that I could build out bookcases on either side of the bed. And so to bridge that gap between those bookcases to build a canopy and bed Mm -hmm. drapery to frame the bed, Mm -hmm. uh, tied those two bookcases together. So there was actually like two or three feet behind the bed. But which ah. is why the drapery behind that. So it was, it was functional, and not that you don't, you know, don't don't need that excuse to build out bookcases on either side of your bed. But it was actually something I really always wanted to do. I love books, and I love the built-in little trays that you can mm. have. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a out of necessity that it came about. The reason we designed it that way, but I, it's also something I just think looks great and is super functional. Okay, so when you're doing your bedding. And this goes back to a textile question. If I'm in your showroom, how do I know which ones I can use to to work into the bed and how? Because I know a lot of fabrics just aren't, they're not made yeah. for bedding. So how do I bring that in to the bed? So a lot of times they need to be washable. Okay. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> if you're using okay. it as like, so I love, there's a couple of different lines that we have that I I love to use for quilts. And I make okay. quilts a lot out of the textiles in the showroom. Alamoire, who is from India, makes those really pretty uh, linens and cottons. And so I make mm-hmm. a lot of those as quilts. They will make them or I will pull a cotton or a, depending if it's washable, fabric. Mm-hmm. Like Tulu also is a, a line that we carry that's really vibrant and from Istanbul that can be washed, some of their cottons. And so mm-hmm. if you can wash it, then I'll send it to be quilted and made into a, a quilt for the bed. If it's just going to lay on top, I've done those really pretty too. I'll make them out of linen and quilt them, but those have to be sent to be dry cleaned. So it just depends on your uh-huh. use mm-hmm. and how much maintenance and how much you want to spend. But I, on all our beds in my house, I have those quilted um, Indian fabrics that, you know, I wash and they're so soft and they Mm -hmm. add again, another, another, another layer of pattern because a lot of times my bedding is white or ivory Mm -hmm. and so a pretty duvet at the end and just white sheets. So I want a little bit of color. Right. What about pillows? Again, I have no rules. I don't make my bed. (laughs) I just, it's what the room calls for. You know, it's what what speaks. Yeah. I mean, I, unfortunately, so much of my design is just a feeling and it's what is needed Mm -hmm. and how the people live. If it's a couple and they're like, I need a big Euro behind me because I sit in bed and work or I read or what, Mm -hmm. whatever. It's a lot of, I like, I have that conversation with them, but I love to add the pattern pillows for sure. Or, or like on the Kips Bay, I had Leotine do a really pretty monogrammed pillow. That was a guest room. And because there was so much fabric, I wanted a little more of it to be tailored and clean. But if there's if it's a pretty simple room and there's not a, a ton of fabrics and we need a little oomph, I will do several patterns on the pillows on the bed. I guess my next question would be, what's the best place I can go to study kind of textiles myself to get an idea before I start or jump into a project? James Showroom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I And then do you have any, have so many and so many great ones? Yeah. The best. But yeah, I mean, I think just familiarizing yourself and touching and feeling mm-hmm. the be- is the best education. Obviously right. you can buy books on Indian textile mm-hmm. or uh, mm-hmm. documents and different types. You can certainly read many things out there. Uh, Museums have different 
different textile museums. I mean, I, I just think it's just educating yourself and touching and feeling and becoming mm-hmm. familiar with what the, you know, what's a paisley, what's a, what's a herringbone, what's a chintz mm-hmm. is just by is going to a showroom and pulling different fabrics and looking at them or looking online. They're all out there for you to see, especially on our website. You can go and look at the different brands that carry different aesthetics are a great way to familiarize yourself. Is that what you're asking? Sort of. Yeah. With the terminology. Yeah. Again, act like I'm. Yeah. (laughs) But also just actual textile and knowing what it's made of. Is it linen? Is it cotton? Is it viscose? Is it, you know, is Mm -hmm. it a blend? Is it linen and wool? Things like that. I think all that content is on the back of him. It's a great way just touching and feeling. Okay. I do have one more question. I'm sorry. Because you are in Texas. That's correct. Right? Yes. Okay. (laughs) What if you're like, not at all? Nope, you're wrong. (laughs) What are some wonderful places near you? um, Because you're in Dallas, I believe. Yes. And uh, great shopping, um, things that inspire you in that area. Uh, Just generally Texas. Well, I'm from the Texas Hill Country. I grew up on a ranch in the Texas Hill Country, which is probably my favorite part of Texas. It's very beautiful. I always find inspiration from nature. And so that's sort of, that was my upbringing mm-hmm. and, and a lot of little hill towns that are the town that I, where I was raised was settled by Germans. So there's sort of a European influence, but also the Native American. So I love that area of Texas. Being recently new to Dallas, we live um, in a part of the city near the Arboretum which I absolutely love. We take our kids there all the time. The flowers, the different shows that they have, the different times of the year, we do go several times during the year. And so the lake, that's where I find my inspiration is most likely from nature. I do think Dallas has great museums. I try to be involved as much as I can in that. And Fort Worth does too. We just took our kids to Fort Worth. There's the Cowgirl Hall of Fame. There's the Kemble. <laughs> I love, I, I mean, you find inspiration. Love it anywhere. But nature mm-hmm. is probably my, my number one. And then my number two would be museums. And what other shops should we hit? I know James oh. is top of the list, obviously. Gosh, we have so many good ones here in Dallas, down in the design center, for sure. I love the mm-hmm. muse. I love, I, I am a big flea market, antiques, mall. I mm-hmm. like in my free time, I will be found there anytime. <laughs> I just, I, uh-huh. I, I uh-huh. it's the find. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I grew up doing that. So that is, I I love antique smalls. I love antique shows. There's Coco and Dash, who they're good friends of mine. I love them in Dallas, right on Knox Anderson. But we have a lot of great antique stealers. I know I'm probably blanking on something, but I put you on the spot. So yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, you know, Benny Jack is probably my favorite um, Mm -hmm. antique mall that I will be found there probably once a week. And I had I, same thing. It's just any kind of thing like that. I love the hunt. So it's the finding mm-hmm. the treasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always. I mean, I feel like that's definitely Liz and I as well. Yeah. D- deep in the hunt. <laughs> and then we have an excellent design center in, in Dallas mm-hmm. and Houston too. We have really great design center. I mean, it's a very design centric focused city. Fantastic. All right. Well, I just wanted to give any tips and tricks. Will you help us with a decorating dilemma? Oh, yes. Here's our decorating dilemma for today. Hi, ladies. 
Thank you for your incredibly informative podcast. I started listening when my third baby was a newborn and just hit episode 100. I've been decorating all the while. <laughs> Here's my dilemma. The dining room in my 1920s Nashville bungalow is bland. And I know I need to st a starting point. The table and the white gold china set stay, but anything else in the room can go. We need some storage in here as it's our main dining and homework space. Also, the budget is minuscule, but I'm good at Facebook Marketplace and DIY painting. So here are my questions. What are some power statement ideas? Do the window treatments in the dining room and living room need to be the same? Should I do a window treatment on the back half window of the living room? And if so, what? And what kind of rug would suit the dining room and be friends with the living room rug? And lastly, how should I display my china? I'm looking forward to hearing from you, Kristen. Okay, so Kristen has a super cute bungalow where you walk in the front door and you're right in the living room. You take about five steps and there's an opening to the left into the dining room, which is a beautiful white room with a dark oval dining room table that's very pretty and a china hutch. And then that leads into the kitchen. It does have really pretty, beautiful bones, this house. And I think it's so classic. And the, the, uh, the door casings are so pretty. I think for being conservative in price, your biggest bang for your buck is going to be painting. And I would add some color. So looking at her dining room, I would draw. She doesn't have much color in there right now. So I would draw from the living room because they, they feed one into the other. And so I would pull some of the colors either out of her pretty oriental rug, uh, whether that's a sagey green or if there's any gray blues, I would stick with, again, if you're not comfortable with colors, starting with colors in nature that everybody finds appealing are those grays, greens and blues. So I'd pull some of the color out of that rug into that dining room to draw you into that room. I think a real showstopper is painting your walls and your trim and your window casings. So if you're just painting the dining room, maybe painting the walls like a really pretty soft gray blue, and then maybe the millwork a little darker than like a couple of shades darker for that to really give some depth. And then on the ceiling, because I noticed she didn't have a crown molding, lightening that wall by probably half. So I think you'll get a great impact with adding color to the walls. Her break front she have, has is great. And if she needs storage, I would say paint that. I would paint it a really pretty high gloss color, either a contrast color, you could do black, you could do a dark, dark, dark green, something that's, that's sharp and a contrast. So maybe painting that and saving the money on that and just high gloss painting that and doing a great wallpaper in the back of the, the cabinet and displaying her china there. I think will be perfect because she looks like she has a lot of China. And so I think that that sort of kills two birds with one stone. In terms of the drapery, I do not think you have to do the same fabric in both of those rooms. You can certainly do one as a pattern in maybe the dining room and maybe one a little more tame in the living room. It could be a stripe. It could be a small check. It could be a, a small pattern. But having those relate on some level, but they definitely don't have to be the same. And then I think one of the other things you could do is a great statement piece is some, some bold art in that dining room. She's got a small piece there, but maybe something with some real color. Again, 
Facebook Marketplace, online resources like Cherish or First Dibs or Antique Malls or any of those places that you can find something well-priced that is a um, vintage or an antique would add some real interest. And then on a rug, it depends how bold you go on your art, but on your rug, it doesn't have to, it definitely needs to be like a low pile. So you, you can move your chairs easily in and out, but you could do, you could do a sisal, which would be really pretty and classic. I would not do another Oriental because she already has that in her living room. So either a pretty stripe or something like a, a diamond pattern or geometric, but, um, or just a pretty sisal, which is very mm -hmm. classic. I love that idea. Mm -hmm. What would you do for dining chairs? I think, again, when you get to that point that you're ready to, you know, and your budget allows it, I would do a pretty upholstered chair. You need some textiles in there, some color. So one of the things I love to do, and I know Ballard has some great ones, is a, just a classic upholstered chair, upholstered in something that's really durable. If you have kids or you have, you know, don't want to worry about cleaning, you could do a performance fabric or you could do something that's a pattern and then slip cover those chairs. So you can either change it up seasonally or you know one's more casual one's more formal mm -hmm. so i love that being able to have one that's kind of understated and one that's a little wild and fun love it i love it i didn't know what she was talking about with the half window my 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 two cents on that would be i don't think i had a picture of it if it's a situation where you have privacy or sun issues that's the only reason you have to cover something otherwise just paint the window frames yeah really pretty yeah and then she asked about displaying her china but i think her her current china hutch is perfect for it i think so too i, I think just a little paint and some wallpaper mm -hmm. it would be amazing and i love the idea of taking the ceiling color at half of what you do on the walls mm -hmm. to just lift it up and not have it feel oppressive that's really great and not cost so much attention to the, the contrast of the color. Yeah. Really subtle. Such great tips. Now, she does have doors, French, uh, French doors. Would you would you paint all that as well? I actually love painting doors a contrast color. So if she's done like a pretty dark blue on her trim and a light blue on her walls, I would maybe paint them. I mean, either have total fun with it and paint them red or black. or But I would also paint probably like a dark green. Cause she's got a lot of green in her living room and on mm. that um, chair that we can see in the image. I think you've got to get some green in there. All right. Good. Yeah. Good luck, Kristen. This is a fantastic house. So your bones are good. So should be just a little paint, just a little paint. It's so true. And it makes such an impact, such an impact. Yeah. Well, there it is. You have to tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see all your good work. My, Website is MeredithEllisDesign.com. My showroom is JamesShowroom.com. And my Instagram is at MeredithEllis. And James is at JamesShowroom. Perfect. Perfect. We have had, yes, so much fun talking to you. And I absolutely love your work. Anyone who is a color pattern lover, you're going to love digging deep like we did. So into the portfolio. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy, happy decorating. decorating.